so good to be gathered together again here in this building. Three years ago we did this last, well two years ago, but you know, 24 months. It's just so good to be back here um, in one of the most special services, Carols by Candlelight. I don't know what it is. It's just amazing. And I have to say, Christmas is just one week away. I was wondering what reaction that might get. Got a squeaky yay from the front here and a couple of groans from the back over there. I wonder, thinking of Christmas, if you could sum it up in one word, can we bring up the PowerPoint, Gene? That'd be awesome. What word would it be for you? What would the one word be to sum up Christmas? Would it be, wow? Would it be, yay, as it was over here? Would it be joy? Would it be excitement? Would it be presents? Come on. Looking at my kids, there's a smile and a nod there. Yes, Dad, yes. Would it be stress? Would it be sprouts? (laughs) Just checking, just checking. You know, it's interesting. We heard in the reading that the word that the angels used that night to sum up Christmas was this word. Peace. Yet I wonder, is peace really a word you'd use to describe your Christmases? Really? Because the truth is, the very last thing that a typical Christmas day is, is anything but peaceful. Certainly a British Christmas day. I mean, we don't have a clue, I think, how to do stress-free Uh, peaceful Christmas days, do we? I mean, we're experts at doing the most stressful and the most chaotic stuff on Christmas Day, aren't we? I mean, we put aside the shopping and the running around and the traffic and the chaos and the planning. Just think about the day itself with me for a moment, because we do some pretty stress-filled things. I mean, I know what sounds peaceful. I've got a great idea. Whether we can cook or not, How about we all insist on cooking the most ludicrously complicated meal of the year on the day that's supposed to be peaceful? That sounds stress-free to me, but we can't help ourselves, can we? I mean, a standard Christmas roast, even that's going to be hard enough. But if you're anything like me, you kind of see things on TV and you, 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 you have a look through the Sainsbury's magazine and you start getting all these ideas on how we can add a new twist, make it even more complicated. Even if we try to keep it simple, I don't think we can do it. I just don't think we can. We say, right, okay, this year... Matt, I'm going to keep it simple. Fantastic. Okay, just a simple turkey roast. Fant- that sounds wonderful. So we're just going to stick the turkey in the oven, are we? We're just going to get it out of the packet and we're going to... Well, well hang on a moment. Uh, we'll, um, we'll stuff it. Okay, that sounds great. I've got just the idea. Just a pack of Paxo sage and onion, right? Simple. Well, I thought we'd do something a bit different this year. Oh, oh, is that right? What are we going to do? I thought we'd put some duck stuffing in there. Oh, duck stuffing. Well, I say duck stuffing, I mean actually stuff it with an entire duck. How about that? Should we try that? And then inside the duck we'll pop a chicken. How's that sound? You're going to do a turkey, a chicken duck, a turkey duck chicken. We can't help ourselves. Well, I saw it on TikTok. It looked easy. It looked fun. Let's give it a go. And then how about just a few simple sides? I mean, we don't want that. There's the turkey picture. That, type in turkey that picture comes up. Um, 
How about some simple sides, you know, like what? Like roast potatoes and peas and carrots. Well, yes, ma'am, yeah. We'll keep it simple this year, just keeping it simple. I mean, I said yes, but really I mean no, because I was thinking, well, maybe some freshly shelled organic peas from their pods that we could hand shell, and with some garden mint, of course, and parsley, a bit of French butter with those, you know. Chantonet carrots, perhaps with some star anise, anybody? Braised red cabbage with port. We'll have some Brussels sprouts with Christmas tree smoked bacon. Yes, it is a thing. I saw it in Lidl's two days ago. I kid you not. You can go and buy it. Christmas tree smoked bacon. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting some this year. Uh, Chestnuts with ginger, cauliflower and broccoli cheese, probably with three cheeses in that. We'll make them Italian cheeses, yep. Finished with a Stilton and a truffle crumb. We'll have twice-cooked roast potatoes in organic goose fat, of course. Buttery mashed potatoes with chives, boiled new potatoes with dill, so if we've not got enough potatoes. A second meat option, yes, let's do that. Roasted river beef, we'll do shallots and ale with that. Two different gravies, one made with the giblets, one made with bone marrow. Two gravies? Do we need two gravies? Hang on a minute, let's make that three. Three gravies, one for the vegetarians. We don't have any vegetarians. They might, you know, let's just in case, let's have some vegetarian gravy as well. Then we've got the organic sausages wrapped in more Christmas tree smoked bacon. There's the asparagus, we'll do that with garlic. Roasted beetroot with thyme. Sweet potatoes with peppers, herb de Provence. How many are we cooking for? Well, hang on, with you and with me, I make that four. We're going to make sure we've got enough food. We've got to make sure we don't run out. Homemade cranberry sauce, homemade bread sauce with organic goat's milk, freshly grated horseradish mixed with fresh cream that we milked from the cow this morning. We have a cow. We do now. Got that yesterday. Little are doing a great deal on cows. And to finish it off, a jar of Coleman's mustard. As I said, we're going to keep it simple this year. Doesn't that sound peaceful, folks? Anyone fancy coming to my house for dinner? I'm not cooking that. It sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> I've impressed myself. But then we spend all morning, don't we, rushing around, trying to do it all. We work up a horrendous sweat. We put timers on, buzzing, and we've got hobs bubbling. And we end up running around like some kind of combination between Basil Fawlty and, uh, oh, what's he called, Sergeant, not Sergeant, Corporal Jones from Dazza. Right, that's it, don't panic, get the Brussels sprouts, make sure it doesn't burn, get the mashed potatoes, mash them. Watch out, it's an unbelievably stressful morning. And if you add church into the mix, you know, just you're going to burn the lot. It's unbelievable. And then when we finished and we sit down and we're sat in front of what looks like some kind of medieval roast that the long ancestors of Delia Smith would be delighted with, we kind of go, I don't really fancy it now. I'm a bit tired out. I'll leave it to you guys. I'll... I'll be, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. And it's about, what is it? Eight minutes in? Nine minutes in? You suddenly get that acrid smell. Don't you? Oh. Oh, the parsnips with thyme. Oh. And manuka honey, we've left them in the oven and now they're burned to a crisp. They're molten coal lollipops. And as if all that's not stressful enough, that's just the main course, guys. That's just the main course. Here come the desserts, because not only do we need three different options, plus ice cream and brandy sauce, but then some wisecrack back in the annals of history 
decided that if there wasn't enough stress in the Christmas meal already, the best thing we can do to calm the whole situation down is to set fire to the pudding. (laughs) Whose idea was that? Let's introduce some pyrotechnics into the front room as well, shall we? And the truth is, guys, in my house, that's not the most stressful bit. Whereas in the first course, you have food aplenty. Of course, things change a little bit, don't they, uh, when the desserts come out? Because there's one most prized item in my house that sits on the table where there is very small amount of it indeed. And it's this. Look at it. Look at that. Now that, that is the most prized item in the house. And as far as my dad are concerned, my dad and I are concerned, you cannot eat Christmas pudding without clotted cream. Now, we all know there's two parts to this cream, don't we? We know there's this beautiful, crumbly, crunchy top, isn't there? And then underneath is that beautiful, creamy, smooth cream. And there are rules. I mean, as if clotted cream isn't controversial enough for most of the year. You know, I'm not going to tell you about scones. I'm not going to tell you that in every way, shape and form the cream should go first. That would only cause controversy this evening, but it is accurate. But there's even more, it is true, there's even more controversy because what you've got to do is you've got to get the angle of your spoon right as you're cutting into the clotted cream. These are the rules so that you just take the right amount of top and the right amount of bottom. There's no skimming off the top and nicking all the crumbly bit and getting just a little bit underneath. You've got to get the proportion right. And Dad and I know this, and we take this very, very seriously in the Bradley household at Christmas time. There are unwritten rules. And as the clotted cream goes round the table, you can feel my dad's eyes burning into you. You almost tremble as you're getting it. You think... Because oh, you can't take too much or you get it, <coughs> and it's, oh, that was a little bit too much. But you've got to get just the right amount. Imagine when we have visitors. Imagine how stressful it is. Do they know the rules? Are they just going to get on in there? We had one visitor once, I mean literally 20 years ago, who used their finger in the clotted cream. <laughs> Every year, Dad brings it up in hushed tones. I do remember one year, Matt, when we had a visitor who used it. It's like, oh, gracious me, that would have been... Horrendous. I fortunately was too young to remember. I'm not sure how I would cope with seeing such a thing. But you know what? My dad and I are always in competition with the clotted cream. We're always looking at who's having the most. But one year, my dad decided to kind of call a truce on the clotted cream controversy. And he was really, really kind. Um, My dad is kind. He's a lovely man. And uh, he said, look, you finish it off, Matt. There wasn't much left. And I had my my, my bowl with my pudding in and he had his. He said, you have it. To be honest, it wasn't a great portion. It was quite small and meagre. Someone had got the angle of the spoon wrong, so there was only a tiny little bit of the crumbly on the top. But I scooped it out, and I said, are you sure, Dad? He says, Christmas, go on, go on. I was like, thanks, Dad. That really is loving. And I put it on my pudding, and I, I ate away. And I was just about halfway through, three-quarters of the way through. I looked over. He hadn't even started eating his. And I thought, bless him, he can't eat that pudding without this. And I I just thought how kind he was. And it was just at the point when I put the final spoon of pudding in my mouth that he quietly bent down and just behind his chair leg just got out a brand new pot (laughs) full of clotted cream. I could not believe it. And he quietly opened it up 
disobeyed all the rules, scooped it right in there and put it on. I'll be honest, I've struggled to forgive him, but I have got something just hidden, just behind this pulpit, actually, as it happens. Look at this. There you are, Dad. I've got you a Christmas present right here. There you go. Your own tub. He's at home watching this because he's not fitting well. So no hard feelings. You can have that later. A little gift for my dad. Get that in the fridge. You know, if all that's not stressful enough, guys, if that's not stressful enough for you, after the meal, somebody's great idea for the British Christmas is now to cram as many relatives into our small front rooms as possible and watch the EastEnders Christmas special just to enjoy an argument. Ricky, this is awful. Get that off. And as if that's not stressful enough, someone then suggests the thing that's going to calm us all down now is to play Monopoly, the most controversial and most complicated game ever. No one's ever got stressed out by Monopoly, have they? But, in all seriousness, the angel said in the skies that night, peace has come. But where is it, Matt? Where is this so-called peace in it all? Because if we're honest, even if we were going to lay aside all the stress of Christmas, we would still say that right now the world doesn't feel very peaceful, does it? It feels chaotic. There are strikes and financial struggles, cost of living crisis, mental health struggles, winter illnesses are rife, increasingly polarised political tension both in our nation and around the world. Millions of families still homeless and displaced because of conflicts and with a cruel and unfair war raging in Ukraine. It's hard to believe that peace has come at all. All around us doesn't feel peaceful. It feels unstable. And yet still, the angel says, peace on earth. Peace has come. So what is this peace that the angels are talking about? Could it be that they're actually just referring to some long-lost stable that we imagine on our Christmas card, some cosy little place with some softy sheep and some lovely shepherds and Mary holding a cute little baby? Is this the peace they're talking about? If we think about it, that first Christmas scene wasn't peaceful at all. It wasn't. Mary, she's a first-time young mother. She's in her final days of pregnancy. She's at the stage where everything hurts. She can hardly walk. She's needing plenty of rest. And yet, the world around her was in such chaos, such instability, that Mary and Joseph were forced from their home at a time when they needed stability and home most of all. And they were forced to travel probably for a week, either on foot or on donkey back. And every step must have hurt, with Mary wincing all the way with the rain and the wind and staying cold uh, in the nights in strange uh, rented rooms or by the side of the road. And when they finally reach their destination, it's late and it's crowded and there's nowhere for them to go. And the stress only rises when at that point the waters break and Mary realises this is it. She's going into labour. The pains begin. The contractions start. She's panicking. I have no doubt. And so's Joseph. And they end up in some lean-to kind of makeshift place at the back 
of a building where the animals were kept overnight. It's the least sterile, it's the least appropriate place for a vulnerable young mother deep into labour. And as for this so-called peaceful stable scene, I just want you to imagine for a moment the labour, the pain, the tears, the cries, the very last thing anybody wants in that moment is some massive cow mooing at you, urinating, defecating, because that's what cows do, breaking wind all the time. I'm pretty certain if we were there, you'd be like, that's awkward. It was really, really awkward. And now bring in strangers with even more animals, and the scene that we get in our head is a moment of unbelievable stress, with no family, no familiarities. It was painful, chaotic, unstable. And as Mary pushes and cries through blood and tears, she brings a small, vulnerable, crying baby into this mess. And together in a moment probably of tender thankfulness and exhaustion, they try and make him as comfortable as they can in the most unsterile feeding trough that just happens to be the only thing nearby. It's called a stable, but the whole moment must have felt so unstable for them. And yet, friends, the angels say, peace on earth, peace has come. It's clear that the peace the angels are talking about must be possible, even when all around is chaotic and unstable. To all of this chaos, the angels say, do not be afraid. The Saviour's been born to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths. You'll find him lying in a manger. Peace on earth. Peace has come. You see, when you and I think about peace so often, we think about the absence of something, don't we? We think about the absence of noise or struggle or stress, the absence of chaos, the absence of conflict. But the most important thing perhaps we can learn from the Christmas story is that true peace isn't the absence of something, but the presence of someone. And that someone is Jesus, Son of God, born as a human that night long ago, promised by prophets, yearned for by a struggling world. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. We'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Friends, the peace of Christmas comes the most unexpected moment in the most unexpected way. It's a peace that comes amidst all the chaos, all the pain, all the hurt and the anguish. It's a peace that's found when we begin to realise who that baby lying in the manger really is. Saviour. Chosen one, God come near, Prince of Peace. It's not based on who you and I are. It's not based on the world around us. It's not based on what we're going through. It's based on who he is, who he's always been, who he always will be. The Bible says it's a peace that passes human understanding. And it's a peace, I want to tell you, that is still available even in the chaos all around us right now, for every single one of us, today and this Christmas. We see him lying there, amidst the muck and the pain. Come to be with us, 
in our hurting, struggling lives. Friends, we can know this is a God who cares so much. He'll leave it all behind for us. All of glory, just to reach you and me. Knows each one of us by name. Chooses to draw near. This is peace. Knowing that that's what God's like. And as we see this baby promised by ancient prophets finally arrive, we realise he's a God who keeps his promises. In this world that feels so uncertain and unstable, we know that he will always do what he says. This is peace, knowing that. And we see this child grow up and we see him caring for the most broken and healing the hurting and standing, by the, uh, standing against the oppressors and And then choosing to suffer and die in our place so we can be forgiven, so we can have a relationship with God. And friends, we can know he's a God who loves us beyond measure. Love that's greater than our greatest fears and deeper than our deepest mistakes. This is peace. Knowing that. And when we hear his words, friends, one day he will finally put an end to all suffering, all war, all struggles, one day he will personally wipe every tear from our eyes. We can know that no matter how peaceless this world may feel right now, when we're working for peace and justice, we're aligned with the heart of the God of the universe. For he has a plan, and even though we don't see it in fullness now, we can know that evil will not win, friends. Jesus is Lord and King. Knowing that, this is peace. Do you know you were designed to walk around this world carrying peace? All of you. It's how God made you. And yet we so rarely do. One of the most popular Google searches this year has been, why am I tired all the time? Why am I tired all the time? It's another way of saying, why do I not feel peace? Why is it so far away from me? Does that resonate with you? Maybe it is because the world's chaotic and maybe it is because we're too busy. But maybe it's because something deeper. Maybe it's because we're not tethered to the deep and real peace that the angels so desperately want us to discover. And so, in this unstable world, and it does feel unstable right now, and in this chaotic British Christmas, yes, I will overcomplicate the meal again, and yes, I'm going to argue over the clotted cream, And yes, I'm going to watch some terrible TV and play some chaotic games because it's Christmas. And that's what we do. And I hope you do too. But beneath it all, whether you're at home or far away from home, whether you feel peaceful or whether you feel chaotic, whether you feel settled or unstable, I pray that you know that there is a peace deeper than all of it, more stable than all of it. It's a peace from knowing who this baby really is. In fact, it's a peace from knowing this baby personally, this man, Jesus, this saviour. Peace is not the absence of something. True peace is the presence of someone. His name is Jesus. Finish with his words to all who'd humble themselves and come to him this Christmas. He says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
and do not be afraid. We're going to watch a video together. We sing our final carol. I just want to ask you, do you know that peace? Are you curious about knowing more about that peace? Peace of knowing who Jesus really is. It's what Christmas is all about. If you want to know more, one of the things you could do, there's never any pressure on this, but if you're curious, we've got an Alpha course coming up in January. It starts on the 26th. And it's a chance to ask questions and find out more about this Jesus. More about this person who brings peace even when all around is chaos. He loves you more than you could ever know. And if you'd like to take one of those, just take one. Have a look on the back. Uh, We'd love to see you there. It's very informal, very relaxed. You can ask any questions you like. Another thing I'd love to invite you guys to is we've got a comedy night with this guy, Andy Kind. He's a good comedian. And if you need some much-needed laughs, can I commend it to you? Saturday, 14th of Jan. Take one of these as well. Come uh, bring friends and family, and we'll have a little bit of a... Uh, promo of the Alpha course there as well. Not much, just enough to say, hey, it's coming up. But come to that either way. And if you want to take one of these as well tonight, just do. It's fine, just grab one. It's called Why Christmas. And it just talks to you a little bit more about that Jesus, a Prince of Peace that I've been telling you about tonight.